Hello, and thank you so much for joining us once again. It is the Nightly Pleasures Podcast. I am your host and author of the piece you're going to hear today, The Grey Knight. You can call me Jack. You don't, you don't have to go to honorifics or anything. The Jackarino, the Jackery, you know, any of this is fine. Uh, in my, I guess, eternal quest to improve as a person, to uh, sort of lose the rancor and, and, and heal as properly as I can uh, and, and just become the person that I want to be, uh, I, you know, I've been doing some reading. Uh, and I did want to share one thing with you that I found pretty interesting while doing that because I didn't read it in a self-help framework. I've recently read a book by Nate Zinser, I think is how you pronounce it, Z-I-N-S-S-E-R, and I read it for productivity purposes on, on how to sort of shake the imposter syndrome that I feel when I sit down to write. Now, to be clear, that's not when I do these anymore, and that the book goes over that in a way that I just, I didn't expect. So it really gave me something to consider and think about because it it made its thesis to me pretty clear that, okay, in one way I've got this, in another way when I sit down to write a novel or when I sit down to write a screenplay, I don't feel nearly as confident. When I, when I sing, my knees might as well not exist. I, I turn to jelly. Doesn't matter how much I practice, I get in front of somebody or I get in front of the microphone, I become less good at it. That's all there is to it. And when I sit down to do one of these intros, or when I sit down to, to write a commission, or when I sit down to write a podcast piece, it's the exact opposite. I'm pretty capable of going right into the zone. I have a... I have a routine, I have a mindset, and I hope it doesn't come across as, as arrogant, um, but I feel very, very confident right right when I'm about to start those things. I, I look at what I have to do. It's just a, it's a shopping list at this point, and within a little bit, I, I caffeinate, right? I, I, I normally drink caffeine-free tea or herbal tea, uh, but on days where I, I knock stuff out, I caffeinate a little bit. It's part of the process. I have a specific kind of music that I listen to. Uh, it doesn't have any lyrics, which really helps me. Um, and then I... It takes a little bit for me to get into the flow state, but then I get right into it. Get right into the flow state, knock it out. Uh, it can be daunting for me if things are difficult for me. I don't summon it every day, but when I have to, I can summon it. And I like that side of me. I think you like it too. When, when the podcast is regular, when I, when I have enough energy to, to do everything and post on the blog, right? I think you like that side of me as well. I know that I do. And like I said at the beginning of this, 
you know, no, no offense to you, wonderful people. I'm doing this for me. You do for you, I do for me. No, no harm, no foul on either side, right? You, you do what, what's good for you, and I do what will feel good for me, hopefully. Fingers crossed. So, since the book talks about how if, if you have this ability, uh, you've succeeded in a way, then how do you shake it on the other stuff, right? And that's more or less what I just wanted to talk to you real quick about because I thought it was so interesting. Basically, you, you lie. If I, if I had to sum it up, you lie. You, um, you lie to yourself. And that's not exactly original information, right? Fake it till you make it. The difference being between that commonly used phrase and this man's argument is that you check yourself. It's not faking it for others. It's faking it for yourself. So, for instance, in a, in a more concrete example, if you were... Oh, well, he talks about sports figures. If you were a, a basketball... He talks about Steph Curry, for instance. If you miss a shot and you're Steph Curry, you say, well, I'm bound to make the next one. Right? Oh, I missed a shot. Well, I'm going to make the next one. What does he say when he makes a shot? He then says, great. I'm on a streak. I'm hot. Right? Both, both avenues are, are him saying to himself, I'm going to be successful. That was temporary. We're going to freeze that failure, quote-unquote, whatever word terminology you want to use so it's not harsh, right? And then the next, the next shot comes. Now, there's some truth of this to probability and statistics, right? It's the gambler's fallacy. Ah, you haven't rolled seven in some time. I fell for this as a teenager. Uh, I, I, had to, I had to unlearn it in college. I fell for it as a teenager. Ah, the dice weren't seven a number of times. That means they're bound to be seven. That means they're more likely to be seven because you haven't rolled a seven. That's the gambler's fallacy. No. If, if the dice are equal, if the hand is equal, if the table is, is if, if everything's normal, then the probability is the same every throw. You can't detect a pattern. Weird stuff happens. And so, just because you know the likelihood of an outcome, gambling, doesn't mean you can count on it. Doesn't mean you can wager the life savings on it. You have to take every chance as it is. And the idea of applying that to your own mentality, I have to admit, a little foreboding, a little difficult, a little brainwashy. But... It is an interesting way to think about being your own best friend. Something I, I've tried to advocate for and something I try to be, you know, switching to oatmeal-only breakfast and, and things like that. It's me trying to be my own best friend. Trying to be, uh, in, in the words of a former therapist, the parent that I never had. Right? I didn't have good parents. I didn't have good role models. I didn't have 
frankly, good childhood friends. I, you know, uh, it, was, it was a very, very rough time for me. And I don't say that to complain. I say that to talk about how far I've come. So, when I fall into the kind of PTSD mindset, when I fall into a negative headspace or a depressive episode, I try like hell to treat myself like I'm my own best friend and say, well, that's not true. When I, when I say something negative about myself or I say something doesn't matter or I haven't accomplished anything or, 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 no, yes, you have. Yes, you have. Of course you have. Look how far you've come. There was a time you would have killed for where you're at now. And it's true. It doesn't feel true at the time. I have to treat myself like a best friend. I have to be kinder to myself than I'm being to myself at that moment. And that allows me, at least over time, to, to, to get out. So it's going to qualify that. Don't qualify it. It, ha it does, obviously. So I found that incredibly interesting. The other, the other thing that I would note uh, that I found very interesting about it is he, he basically says there's no maximum to confidence. And, we, and we're taught and we're socialized from a very young age that, yes, there is. Don't be arrogant. Don't be a braggart. Don't, uh, don't swagger around. Nobody will like you. Well, he's in no way saying that you should have a boisterous attitude, right? He's very clear about that. He's in no way saying you should pound your chest or say too much or... or, or I guess pound your chest is pretty male-centric, now that I think about it. But you know what I mean. There's, there's no reason for you to basically speak softly and carry a big stick, right? Like, do, do the thing. You don't have to say the thing. But there's no maximum to confidence, if you really feel it, that will turn people off. And he gives examples of people who do amazing things under pressure with millions of people watching them, like an Academy Awards producer, right? Doesn't, I haven't watched the Academy Awards in years. I care about the awards, but I don't watch the actual show because it's 27 hours long. Uh, and the guys behind the scene, it may not seem like it if you're ever watching a show, an awards show like that or a big show, but the guys behind the scenes in the control room are going, okay, this, now this happens, now this, you got to go though, okay, okay, uh, shot over here, pan in, camera three, I need you to wide shot, okay, and do we have that thing, we don't have that thing, we need it now, now. And they're doing that in front of millions of people for hours, and every time they slip up a little bit, right, every time the ca they call the wrong camera and it, it shows somebody that it quote-unquote shoots, a lot of people will pick that up in a, in, a, in a wide crowd and it'll instantly be made fun of on social media, blah, 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 blah. So there has to be a supreme level of technical understanding and confidence for hours at a time for somebody to be in the control room for an award show like the Academy Awards. But that doesn't mean that just because that person is supremely confident enough to do that, very daunting job, 
that they can then go and speak in front of people, even a hundred people in a room. Maybe that's their biggest fear in the world. Maybe they have trouble with intimacy. On and on it goes. Just because somebody is supremely confident when they need to be, when they toggle it on, does not make them a confident person. There's really no such thing as a quote-unquote confident person, according to this. And I took a lot of... so I, I had to pause... I'd never heard the argument before. I don't, to the best of my recollection, I legitimately thought, well, of course you're the confident or not, and I'm not confident. Well, that's, that's chucking, I'm chucking that away. Right? I'm going to brainwash myself. Screw it. I, <laughs> I, I can be confident at some things, and I can be insecure at other things, and when the insecurity is holding me back, or is just no longer serving me, is just no longer helpful, then that's what I combat it by being my own best friend. But there are things that you are confident about completely. You can't go into a flow state without having confidence in what you're doing. Right? And we all go into a flow state. Sometimes we talk about it like it's almost an alien experience. I was driving home, and same way I always was, and then I, I, suddenly I was home. And I thought, what what I just do for the last 20 minutes? Did I kill someone? I, well, I don't remember. Right? We all autopilot. We all do it sometimes. We all enter that state. It's a good state. feels good. You come out the other side of it, your body is pretty happy with you. Your brain chemistry is, is all percolated. And I just thought it was interesting, right? I just thought it was valuable, I guess. I'm going to try and apply it to the best of my own ability. Uh, we'll see what the results are. I... I got a I got a pretty nice compliment. Somebody I I don't know at all, um, so please don't be offended if you're this person. Uh, multiple people ha made comments recently, like you really do seem less prickly. You really do seem less aggressive, less uh, less difficult to talk to, less angry. A and that was simply a wonderful. Wonderful compliment every time. It's very validating, and I want to keep going with it as best I can. Uh, last thing, and this one definitely kicked me in the shins, right? This one I definitely uh, have to take from this guy. He said that just because you didn't sleep well or things went wrong or things are difficult doesn't mean you're allowed to be unproductive if you've decided that you need to be productive. That's kind of his whole thing, right? He's, he's not a very hermit-in-the-woods type, like I genuinely want to be. But... <laughs> but... I have to admit, that that's, that's a trap I fall into, right? Especially if I'm not feeling so good. But my health is... is pretty great these days compared to what it was for years and years of the project and even when I you know something happens and I don't get my my eight hours of sleep or whatever I'm still capable of waking up 
and at least being somewhat productive. And so his advice about you have to think about times, you have to go back to periods where things were stacked against you and you still performed, right? And you got it done. And then you have to challenge, you have to convince, you have to... I admit, I don't think his wording on this is so is so great. I, I found it very difficult. Um, he, he uses a lot of war shit, you know? He uses a lot of battle metaphor. And I, I'm a big believer when you fight yourself, even when you win, you lose, right? Don't fight yourself, befriend yourself. I, I, if, 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 if you have to go one route, you don't have to, but if you, if you have to, befriend yourself, don't fight yourself. And so I really, really, really have been turning that one over. It keeps entering my head. I'll just, I'll sitting there playing cards. I'll be doing something easy. And then I'll, I'll be thinking like, you know, it's true though. Like if you, you can, if you've risen to the occasion under worse, why can't you do it now? Right? Don't let that get in the way. And I just, I need to apply that in the moment. So I'm really trying. I'm really trying. So far, so good. I feel like I'm making people happy. I've only slipped up here and there. And I can always make amends going forward. So that's exactly what I'm trying to fucking do. And I hope it's coming through. If any of this sounded interesting to you, I'd highly recommend you, you Google the dude. Uh, and then, you know, there's articles and shit for free. You don't have to buy a book. And tell me. <laughs> Especially if you're listening to this some months from now. You know, some months after publication. Tell me, is it coming through? Is it working? If I, if I really deliver this year, does that not validate all kinds of things that people believed in me in the good ways and, and make it so that I can just turn off the, the perfectionist? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, all right, kind of a, you can, as you can probably tell, definitely caffeinated for this one uh kind of kind of a long-winded way to to talk about it but i just i thought it was very very interesting uh i'm going to attempt to apply it as best i can and i'm not quite sure how to do this <laughs> i got this criticism months ago it's a good critique and i've been working on it but it's still not there i i'm not quite sure how to do the transition once i'm done fucking talking about whatever's on my mind so this is me saying that it's going to transit yeah this is transitory and that we're going to begin a peace. No, see, that's, now it's taking too long. See, overthinking it. No, you've, yeah. So that was me talking, and here is me performing. And it's a story, and I hope you enjoy. I know. I know. I can't believe it's happening either. I 
I still remember the first time that I saw you. You were wearing that uh, blue blouse, the pencil skirt. Well, you made quite the impression. <laughs> I know it wasn't for me. I know you weren't dressing up for me. You didn't know who I was, but there you were. The world is full of beautiful women. There are so many around, everywhere you look. And yet, somehow, when you look at the right woman, when I look at the right woman, a part of me knows that I have to be with her. And that does not happen very often for me. So, imagine my surprise when it happened with you. Because it shouldn't have. That's what I told myself, at least. It should not have happened. I wasn't really feeling it. It wasn't really true. But that's the funny thing about working together, even if it's just on the same campus, and running into someone over and over again, or just seeing them from a distance. You don't have a choice. You're going to be subjected to it, repeatedly. Well, I was. I was subjected to the incredible and intense feelings that you evoked every single week. And it just made me realize how unhappy I was at home. I knew, of course, I knew that I wasn't happy, but I wasn't really aware of it. It's something that you suppress. It's something that declines from your conscious mind because it has to. You can't feel that intensity every single day drive you insane. It has to decrease that stimulus. You have to feel a little less hopeful, a little less joyous over and over again because that stimulus isn't changing. I didn't think that this was the guy I was going to be. I never thought that this was the guy I was going to be. And I can make excuses for it. I could say a hundred things about how it's not really my fault, or I just want to be happy again, or life moves on, or people grow apart. But none of them make any sense. None of it 
makes any sense whatsoever. The thing the thing that I just couldn't turn off in my mind was that I needed you. And at first, it's just because maybe you could make me happy. But that's not true at all. I think we both know that's just not true at all. You see, just because you awakened a part of me doesn't mean it's your fault, and it doesn't mean that I'm fixating on you or trying to grapple on to you. It just means that you came along at a time when I had to make a change that without you, I would not have been brave enough for. But I am now. It's really going to happen, and it doesn't matter what you do or don't do after the fact. This isn't on you, and I don't want to put anything on you. I'm not scared of being alone. It'll hurt. I'm not scared of rejection. That would hurt more. But I don't ever want you to go through a single day wondering if you're the cause or wondering if you're the reason why. Because you're not. You're the inspiration. But none of it's your fault. I'm just not happy. I'm not happy at home with her. And she's not a bad person. But it is not a good situation. And I want something good. I want something real. I want to talk about my day and about my feelings with someone that I think will contain the whole umbrella of reactions over time. I think she deserves that too. And we don't have it together. Not anymore. Not for a long time. So don't think it's because I can't resist you. And don't think it's because I need every part of you. Because that would be very tempting, wouldn't it? Make you feel very good. Make you feel very powerful. But I don't want you to have that intoxication. I want you to want me. I want it to be... 
like we just met. And the whole world was open for us. I want it to be like the whole world of possibilities were ahead. Instead of all the chains and logistics of the present. You wake up in the present. And its weight crushes. It binds you. Its obligations stretch onward. And so we go through the motions. Well, I'm shedding them off. I know what people will say about me. I know what people will think. I don't care. I will do anything to try and be happy. I want that to be with you. And I know that that's going to take some time. But I had to make it clear. I had to put it out there. I had to let you know. I've saved up some. I've been planning this for a while. I guess longer than I really allowed myself up to know. And I'm going to drop the hammer. I figure a late spring break is better than any other time. It'll give me a week. And that way, whatever she wants with living arrangements or whatnot, we can decide, we can act on, we can move forward. It's very selfish of me, but I hope she doesn't try and make a play that we should stay together or that things could work out. And I think it's probably pretty self-centered of me to, to even really consider that possibility because I imagine when I say that I'm done and that I need to move on, she's going to be right there with me. If not, we'll deal with it. What choice do we have? And so it's going to be very difficult. But the money's there for us to, to live apart, to, to sort things through. And then we'll be alone. It's very rough to think about is probably why we choose not to, right up until the moment that we can't anymore. But it's over. It's just as finished as I've said. 
I'm just telling her. And I'm telling her when I go home for this weekend. I'm telling her over dinner this Thursday. Today. Right now. I'm telling you so that you have time to process it as well. I'm telling you before I tell her so that you know where I'm at on the other side of this maelstrom. When I get through it and I land back on my feet, you'll know what I was thinking and why. You're literally besides my family, the only person I've told. Because I want you to know how I feel about you on the other side of this. I can't do the behind-the-back thing. Not that I think that you would. I can't do the other partner thing. I can't do the sneaking around and the not making eye contact. I can't do it. But what I can do is tell you and wait for you. Tell you that I haven't enjoyed a woman's company like yours in so long that I don't know if I've ever enjoyed a woman talking to me as much as you, not in this way, not as intellectual equals, but a real slow burn. You make me want you with everything you say, and I know that you're not trying. You make me need you in ways that will absolutely ache if I can't have you. And I wouldn't trade for anything if I couldn't. I'd rather know that this is how I felt and not get you than anything else. I'm a humble man, even after all the self-aggrandizement here. And you have more options in that department than you could ever spend in a hundred lifetimes. I know. But how can you feel something like this? How can you not act on it if you know it like I do? It's only been months, but I feel like I've known you for years. We've only been talking as colleagues, but I want to be completely entangled with you. So that's it. I'm pulling the trigger. It's happening tonight, and I am 
terrified and disappointed in myself. And even then, I am hopeful. I know that there are better days ahead, that I can find more comfort, that I can enjoy small things again, easy things again, and maybe even grand things and complex things again. Maybe I can get them all, all of them. If that in any way sounds like something you want to explore, this is where I'll be. You know exactly where my classroom is. You know exactly how to reach me. And I would love to hear from you. For you to reach out. For you to let me know. When you're ready. If you want it. Because now comes the most arrogant part of this little rambling, incoherent, diabotribic nonsense. I think you feel it too. No man is so egoless that he could put this forward without thinking that there was some chance, not just some slim chance, but a real one, that his love wouldn't be unrequited. Well, I know what's at stake. It's not just my reputation, but yours. I look into your eyes when we talk, the way I see you, the way that you look at me when I see you. If you in any way think that there's truth in what I'm saying, that there's a possibility, that there might be a chance just to explore, just to see what's there, just that I'm not throwing lines at you, and I feel the way that I'm saying, if you believe it even for a minute, allow me to make the observation that I don't think you're happy with him either. And that the light in your eyes is never dimmer and when you're talking about your home life, too. And I know, I know that it's hard. But I don't think that it's sudden. And that's why I'm telling you, I will wait. Because I don't think you can do the sneaking around, or the behind the back or the quiet whispers and finger-pointing and tisks either. And I would never, ever ask you to. So I'm telling you before we go home for spring break, so that you can know what my plans are, and that you can see me fulfill them. 
so that you know that I'm telling you the truth, that I'm not just leading you on, that I'm not just going to be the guy who says, come on, I'm leaving my wife, just just give me a little bit. What a what an even worse version of me that would be. I'll take the first step. And if you don't follow, if I'm wrong, if being with him is not like my home life, I promise you, everything I said about finding some solace alone and better days is true. They just won't be as good of days as if they're with you. It's funny how somebody can just enter your life and shake the whole thing up. But you did. And no matter where this goes forward, I can't go back. So, don't answer anything. I don't imagine that you could. But know that I am going to do what I said, and that I meant every word about you, every single one. So, uh, I hope to talk to you again in two weeks' time, and uh, we can tell each other about our spring breaks. Huh? <laughs>